Good day to you all and welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I am joined as always by my dad, Jack Brinker. How are you today? I'm fine this fine, cool fall morning. Yeah? How, how yeah. are things in, in the North Carolina world weather-wise? Did you guys ever get a bunch of that wet that came through the east? Um, well, we got we got a little bit, but yeah, it seemed to you know wonderfully miss us because it was pretty bad in a lot of places, both mm-hmm. uh, when it was in the south and and then when it got to the northeast. But we we didn't see much of it. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the highest winds got to gusting up to forty mile an hour, and you know, <laughs> yeah, it didn't didn't gust that much in a neighborhood, you know. Right. Yeah, well, you know, out here we get that with the Santa Anas this time of year anyway, so we get gusting winds, um, you know, 40 miles an hour is nothing uh, for us during the Santa Ana season. And uh, and then at the same time, you know, I think what it was is the north was one storm that was coming in like a nor'easter, and the south was the remnants of a hurricane, and you were right in between, so you sort of really didn't get the the brunt of any of it. Um, Right. For here... Well, I was going to say, on the West gonna... Coast, they had a big storm come through, and they flooded, uh, uh, you know, torrential rains in, in Oregon and, and Washington and Northern California. By the time it got down here, we were supposed to get, like, you know, there was flood warnings and all kinds of stuff. My phone kept beeping, saying, you know, beware, flash floods, and, it, you know, we got a little bit of rain on one day. I mean, it, it, drizzled, yeah, well... it drizzled the whole day, but as far as, like, really, like, downpour – maybe 15 minutes of that where i'm at you know yeah <laughs> i guess over in san bernardino uh my, my brother said that he got they, they got uh, a pretty good downpour over there for a while but where i'm at we really didn't i was like okay well that was a dud <laughs> well anyway the uh, main difference here is that then it's uh well it was 42 this morning and uh it's been it's in the 40s and it's going to go down into the 30s by the end of the week and even back to 28 by Sunday morning. Ooh, uh, winter's so, here. Uh, you skipped autumn and went straight to winter. <laughs> yeah, and and the daytime temperatures today is, is the high for the week, which is 70. It's uh-huh. in the 60s, but mostly in the 50s and even some uh, a little bit in the 40s. So uh, you yeah. know it's it's getting cool. So yeah. you don't go out without a jacket on, you know. Especially yeah. if there's a breeze. <clears throat> well, here it's in the evenings. It's been getting into the to the 50s and even the high 40s at night. It, you know, in the wee hours, just before the sun comes up, it'll get into the high 40s. But, uh, you know, I'm not out traipsing around at, you know, 3 and 4 in the morning if I can help it. Um, although yeah. I've got a wiener dog who seems to think that you're supposed to get up at 3.30. So, um, <laughs> luck, luckily, uh, luckily uh, my wife is the one who usually gets up with him. But uh, lucky for me, I guess, not for her. Um but it's like it, it's funny because if I if I get up and let him out, he goes out, comes back in, and it's like okay, well let me just put him back in his crate because he sleeps in a crate. See if he'll sleep. No, he sits in there and whines yeah. and cries. So you can't let him stay in the crate. So how about we just let him run around the house? He's got a you know he's already gone and done his business, and he's an old dog. So I figure you know he's got to go. So that's why we get up and let yeah. him out. So then he comes in. I thought okay, well maybe he'll just go curl up in his bed, which is where he hangs out most of the time. He's got a nice soft you know doggy bed that he lays in during the day. Nope, yeah. nope. He, he if, if he comes back in, he keeps jumping up against the bed on on her side of the bed, saying, "Come on, get up, get up, get up." So I thought okay, well how about if we you know after he's gone, done his business, we just let him get in bed. You know he'll curl up right next to us, and we can both get a little bit more sleep. Nope, 
when we put him in bed with us, he crawls back and forth over the top of her until she wakes up. Basically, when he gets up, she has to get up. He will not stop until she gets up. He will jump against the bed. He will whine and cry. He will walk on top of her. He ignores me completely. But she yep. has to get up. <laughs> and that's why she's the one who gets up, and it's unfortunate for her. Because even though I have gotten up, nothing I can do. I mean, literally the only thing I could do is if I, and, and I haven't done this, if I got up with him and then I stayed up with him and held him in another room and held him physically so that he couldn't go and whine and cry. And he'd probably howl and cry in my yeah. arms because she's not up. He wants well, her up. Well, <laughs> you know, you know, it seems to me that that's a, a, an issue that's it's being a lady. You know, the women grow up uh, with a special sensitivity to hear babies in the night and all this kind of stuff. And uh, whereas you and I, zonk, we're out. See you in the morning. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's but it's not even me. It's it's the dog. He insists that she get up. He is bonded to her, and he's been bonded yeah. to her since we got him. I mean, he he very early on picked her as his person. And uh, and we all know it. <laughs> and he yeah. and it, but and and I think she used to like the fact that he picked her as her person. But now I'm not sure she likes it so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Crazy dogs. All yeah. right. So let's talk tech. Uh, going backwards on our list of things to talk about here, as we said we would do, is the uh, Apple AirPods. The AirPods version three have shipped. Uh, you ordered a pair. I ordered a pair as a gift. And uh, so what are your thoughts? Because you have both the AirPods and the AirPods Pro. And so... Um, I do. Yeah, which is an interesting... Uh, that's where a lot of people are making the comparison. Because the basic AirPods are still available. They're 129 bucks. The AirPods Pro sell for $249. And the new AirPods 3 slap in between those guys at $179. None of these are particularly cheap for, you know, little plastic AirBuds. Yeah. By but the way, a lot uh, of technology this, in there. The, the the article says 100 for the AirPods Pro. It says 197 at Amazon. Uh, just before starting this, I saw they're advertising them for 185 now. Yeah. So, so my question is, for essentially the same price, because it's 179 for the new AirPods version three, or you know 185 for a pair of AirPods Pro. Uh in fact, you know. I, I know why Amazon has done that, because as far as I'm concerned, uh, Apple pricing doesn't understand that uh, uh, the, the price difference does not justify the, the, uh, the differences at all, and we yeah. can talk about those. Well, Apple's pricing uh, in all their products has always been very mercurial. They seem to, they, you know, like... Like the difference between laptop A and laptop B is one has you know 16 gigabytes of memory, one has 32, and they charge $200 for that. And anybody could go out any day of the week and buy memory, and the difference between a 16 and a 32 gigabyte memory chip is not $200. It's not $50, no. you know. And so, right. and so, you know, Apple seems to set up their pricing based on whatever they've decided they want to set it up on, and. And because you know, if you're gonna, if you want to buy an Apple product, those that you know, you know, you're stuck. So you just say, well, that's the cost of doing business, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, unless you've got a retailer that's willing to, you know, take less in their pocket because they mark it down, you know, like like an Amazon. Um, yeah. You know, now what you do gain, well, just just for people to be aware of this, what you gain with the AirPods Three is um, a, a fairly significant, like. Uh, 
you know, 50% increase in battery power. It's not quite 50. I guess it's more like 30% increase in battery life. So you they mm-hmm. you get six hours uh, on e- on the headsets on the little earbuds, uh, and then you can stick it inside the case and recharge. And uh, and it's five hours on the AirPods Pro and four hours on the original AirPods. So you get yeah. more, you get more, yeah. So it's fifty percent more than the original AirPods, and uh, I guess twenty-five percent more than the. Um, uh, well, it's not even that. What is it? The difference between f- uh, five hours and six hours is not twenty-five, um, but but there's an increase there, and and they cost less. Uh, what yeah. and, and but they, they both support spatial audio. What you give up is the ability to do sound noise canceling. They don't fit in your ear with uh, snugly with little tips, so they don't seal in your ear, so they don't do noise canceling. And right. so for people who want that noise canceling because you work in a loud environment um, uh, or you use them on an airplane or you know when you're mowing your lawn or something and you want to block out that, that uh, noise. And all, like all noise canceling, they're really good at blocking out uh, a consistent loud drone. They're not as good at knocking out like you know intermittent loud things. Like yeah, you're, and, you know, you... and, and because because of that in the sealed uh, uh, area, in, you know, where yeah. it plugs in your ear, uh, yeah. the rubber tip, uh, they then necessarily have to provide transparency mode because otherwise you wouldn't hear very much going on outside. Right, yeah, Whereas so if that's, you wanted to, that, yeah. That, the transparency mode is not in the AirPods 3. But it's automatic because it is not that yeah. tight a fit. Yeah, it's not blocking out the sound to begin with, uh, you know, because part of part of the sound blocking is is you know electronic. They're 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 listening with a microphone and creating the opposite sound wave in your ear to block out the sound. Part of it is just a physical seal on your ear. It's putting an earplug in, right? Right. And that earplug yeah, so is actually it. a bigger part of it than you think. And and so, in fact, it's mandatory for the for the sound blocking to work, basically. And uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, and, I, you know, there are people who say they don't like the uh, the rubber tip in there that, that pushing in is uncomfortable for them. And so I understand that, you know, that seal uh, can be yeah. kind of uncomfortable in your ear. Likewise, I've heard some comments that the new AirPods version three are less comfortable if you have smaller ears because they are it, the part that goes in your ear is larger. It's shaped more like the AirPod Pro and less like the old standard AirPod. Uh, and so the, the, the piece that actually fits in your ear is a little larger. Other people have said they like it more because they feel like it fits in more snugly. It's less likely to fall out. Um, oh, and I did yeah. forget to answer, uh, put in one thing too. Um, like the AirPods Pro, the new AirPods 3 are sweat and water resistant, whereas the original AirPod mm-hmm. was not. Now, I've never sweat in my ear enough that I was worried that I was going to short out a, uh, a, a, an ear, a earbud, but, you know, I, I don't work out the way I probably should, so there you go. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I, well, I don't know if I need to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, if you don't, then don't. <laughs> well, well, I think I will because uh, I'm a person who wears hearing aids and hearing aids actually go into your ear further than, right. than any of these ear pods do. Right. And as, as a consequence, if you have a ear wax issue at all, uh-huh. uh, then that can, could affect you. Right. Uh, I don't know, you know, and uh, my experience is, is that every day that I shower, after I get out of the shower, no matter how I, 
how well I tried to dry my ears, even with tissue pushing it in as far as I can to get them dried out and all. Uh, there's because I wash out my ears with a syringe. There's residual water in there that yeah. comes out of my ear as the day goes on, yeah. and I always clog up my hearing aids. Always. Now I suspect the same thing would happen with with any device in my ears, at least in my uh, in my hearing aids. It makes provision just for such a thing so that you really can't clog up things because there's another little filter in there. Now, right. I have to oftentimes go in and, and change, change that filter out as well. Yeah. Uh, so There are know, some screens and stuff on the AirPods Pro that you can clean and replace. Most oh, people are right? aware of that. But, yes, they do have a, a cleaning and repair kit for that. So, so, so I, I, I know that doesn't necessarily – address the AirPods problem, but if you're telling me the AirPods Pro has that feature, uh, yeah. you know, for some people that might be important as well, considering more than just yeah. air well, or water resistance, you know. Or right. Well, because they, they block the ear canal, they're more prone to getting gunked up than the ones that just sit in the ear, the external part of the ear, like the rest of the AirPods That's probably 3. true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they block the so. ear just like a hearing aid does. You know, something that was a little bit of a surprise to me on the AirPods 3, and quite frankly, I thought on the AirPods Pro, but they came out just as they first started shipping the U1 chip, which is the ultra-wideband chip. And yeah. I don't think they need to be, excuse me, they don't need to be in each AirPod, but they should be in the case because, you know, if, if the most people, when they're wearing their AirPods, they're in their ears, and when they're done, they put them in the case. So if you leave the case behind... I would think that, that that U1 chip should be in the case so that you can then find them more easily, you know, and work with the Find My app more accurately. And I'm surprised that they didn't put that in, especially because both the AirPods 3 and the AirPods Pro uh, have an updated case. The new case, well, obviously the 3, since they're new, they're new to the, the case is new as well. But they updated the case on AirPods Pro so that it now has magnets in it so that it snaps onto and aligns properly on a MagSafe connector. Yeah, the MagSafe connector for the phone also now charges the AirPods 3 and AirPods Pro more, uh, or they, they click in more accurately. They've always charged it because it's just a Qi charger, and they both support wireless Qi charging. But now they've got magnets in them, so it's an updated version of the case that clicks in. That could also be a reason why the Apple H, uh, AirPods Pro are on sale, because that's uh, stock of the older ones that don't have the, the new case that clicks in. Oh. Yeah, maybe so. And I would be disappointed if I bought AirPods Pro right now and found out that I, I got the older case. And that's completely psychological because I don't even have a MagSafe connector that I could click them onto. But but, but if I were <laughs> buying them, I would want the newest and latest and greatest in case I got a MagSafe connector later. Well, when you say that, uh, could you can you use the one that comes with your watch? No. The, the little puck with the watch is different, and it only works on the watch. It does not work on anything else. Oh, okay. I, I just want yeah. to make that clear because... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm actually surprised that they don't use uh, that puck with the um, with the um, AirPods yeah, as well. Yeah, it, it does look like it's suitable for that, but... Yeah. You know, I, I'm surprised that it's not optional, you know? Like with your case... For AirPods, regardless of which style, you should be able to set it, set them down on a Qi charger or on the watch puck. Yeah. But you can't. 
And I think the the watch puck, as I as, as I recall, is a non-standard. It's not a Qi charger, and it's oh. like similar to, but it's not. It's non-standard, and so uh, as a result, you know, I think I, I think Apple. That. Yeah, I think Apple's decision is is that all else being equal, they would like to abandon that, but it's really still <laughs> the best way to charge a watch because the Qi charger, the disc is like two and a half inches in diameter um, inside the little charging devices. Whereas this, yeah. you know, the, the puck is like, what, maybe an inch, three quarters of an inch in diameter, something like that. So, well, anyway, uh, the, if I were watch. if I were now give, given my experience with both uh, AirPod 3 and AirPod Pros, uh, my, I think the uh, difference in price might be $10 at max. Right. You know, in terms of what I get. Now, right. some some people who, who travel all the time, you know, uh, where they need the noise cancellation, and I'm assuming that most of the use is on an airplane where it's noisy, and you just want to get out of, away from that because that right. that can as long as you only long... take a four and a half or five hour flight, right? <laughs> right, but I, you know, I don't do that anymore. Right, I don't even get a, won't, I'll never get on an airplane again. So you know that has had zero value to me, and there's no other environment that I'm concerned with noise. You know, uh, car, uh-huh. my car is quiet. <laughs> Right. So, well, and you're and it's against the law to drive with them in the car anyway. That you're not supposed to have any earbuds right. in your, at least in California. Right. I don't know about North Carolina, but in California, well, you're not supposed to have any kind of headphones or earbuds in your on your person when you're driving. Well, that's so you hear horns, right? I mean, horns exactly. Are part of yeah, because even if you don't have noise canceling headphones on, they're playing noise in your ears and they make it harder for you to hear the noise around you. And so, right, so. yeah, in California, it's against the law to drive with you now. I, it doesn't mean I don't see people doing it all the time, but but it's against the law. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I you know um I I think the choice you know like you got the threes largely because they had longer battery life um uh you know it, it, so your choice really boils down to primarily do you want a little bit longer battery life or do you want noise canceling and is the noise canceling worth the difference in price and the difference in price is minimal these days. Uh, with discounts on yeah. the, but then uh, over time the the threes are going to come down because they'll get discounted at, at third party sellers as well. You know, if yeah. you buy it from Apple, they're always going to charge you whatever their list price is. But if you buy it from other people, they will, um, you know, there'll be discounts at Best Buy and Amazon and things like that. So, so you know, it's it's which feature set do you want? Like I personally really like the noise canceling. I use it when I'm doing yard work, um, uh, and. And especially if I'm, you know, running like a, a blower or a lawnmower or something, I like to drown yeah. out that. And it's not like I can't hear it, but it just really muffles that noise because I just those loud noises bother me. Um, so I like the noise canceling. The, um, uh, you know, they both support the spatial audio. There's some debate about whether people like spatial audio or not. You know, some music purists poo-poo it and say, oh, it's a fad and, th- and it, you know, it's messing with the music. Um it could be argued that maybe if they'd gone back and created a spatial audio mix of some classic music, you know, that you're used to listening to from previous years, that they have changed the sound of the music because of, of the remastering. But there are some new artists that are mastering their albums right from the get-go for spatial audio. So, yeah. you know, which is... No, the, it, it, it's a step up from stereo. And, it is. And I tr- truly mean that. You know, if you listen to a stereo and then, you know... They ought to send out a put out a demo where here it's they just tell you it's stereo and, and they they won't have to say a word 
and uh -huh. the transition to spatial is dramatic. It's just the same as going from mono to stereo. Right. You know, I mean, Apple, it's that much. On Apple Music, they have a playlist that does that, and they made it very prominent when they first introduced spatial audio. It's still there, but you have to now go look for it. Um, but the very first thing in it is a, an introduction by one of the DJs from Apple One, and he walks through explaining it and playing you examples of both stereo and spatial audio and going back and forth. And then the rest of the playlist is just songs that are, are spatial audio compliant. And they, yeah, go, and they go across all genres, and so you could just go down through the list and find things that you want to listen to and listen to what it sounds like in spatial audio. And it's, it's, it's impressive. It really is. I think especially for classical music. You know, to me, that made a big difference. Yeah, and there's multiple pieces that are, are that are in that list that are um, classical uh, music and, as and, well as. And 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 do you know why I think that is? It's it's just like the movies. Most just about all the background music is classic or semi-classical kind of music. It's uh -huh. orchestral, and and it it having that surround sound as they call it in the theaters mm -hmm. is a is a big deal. You know. Yeah. Well, it, it puts you into the into the uh, the the instrument pit, you know, it, at the theater, right? In traditional yeah. theater, you feel like the sound is coming from all around you. And when you're dealing with you know orchestral arrangements or orchestral uh, music that's being played, uh, there's so many instruments, and they're and they're and by virtue of that, they're you know they're spread across a wide area, a wide canvas, because. Because right. you know it's not just a guy with a guitar in front of you; it's it's multiple instruments, and so to be able to recreate that more naturally uh, is is impressive. Because yeah. because yeah. now the strings sound like where the strings are, you know, and and the, and the the brass section sounds like where the brass section is, you know, and the woodwinds sound like where, and it just it really gives you that that sound stage that sort of matches what a uh, uh, an orchestra really represents, whereas you're right. You know, you you get. I mean, it's interesting to listen to pop music and country music that's got that spatial um, uh, mastering done on it, and and the sounds are are yeah just spread across that that <coughs> soundstage differently. But I agree with you. I think the the, the classical music really shines. In by that, the way, that mode. I, when I first got the AirPods three, I just went right to some spatial audio music, okay? Uh-huh. And while I was looking through it, I just happened to come across Les Paul and Mary Ford. Mm -hmm. Now, I have to tell you up front that, that this song was not a spatial audio uh, They had not mastered it. Right. They had not, yeah, they hadn't done that. And I don't know if they can. It depends on whether how the stuff was originally recorded. Yeah, well, uh, and also how it's licensed. I mean, some yeah. of that early stuff, they only had four tracks, you know, when they recorded it. So, you know, it was. Ha ha however, I will tell you that in my view, Les Paul invented surround sound. Go listen to several of their songs. He did his own recording in his home with multi-tracks, multi you know, multi-environments, all kinds of neat stuff. Uh -huh. And his stuff sounds like you're right in the middle of the music. And that's. Nobody has really recognized that, I don't think. Yeah. Now, I haven't I, read any reviews, but it has that spatial audio sound. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know specifically about that, but he's been recognized for his uh, excellence not only in, in music and playing, but in, in uh, producing and recording as well. 
Uh, Absolutely. It's, it had to do with how he produced his music. Yeah. He didn't go into somebody else's studio. He wasn't interested in sounding like anybody else. Right. He said, I'm producing a sound that I want to hear, you know? Right. And, and it stunned the world. And yeah. people today around in the music business, are, all of them were influenced by uh-huh. the, his work, you know? Well, I mean, why do you think so many um, uh, guitarists still want to play Les Paul guitars? Because, you know, he created a specific sound, and it wasn't just yeah. the guitar. It was also, the, you know, his recording methods. It's interesting right. because there, you know, there were there were artists in the '60s that um, uh, very famously the Rolling Stones created or built a had built for them a mobile recording studio on a truck, yeah. and yeah. a whole bunch of artists from the '60s and '70s used the Rolling Stones truck and drove it to different locations, and they then would record on site at different locations, and some of them, um, I think Led Zeppelin and others. You know, would record in, in like these these you know eight hundred year old castles that they would rent out because the acoustics and the echoes in the hallways and stuff were something that you yeah. just couldn't recreate in a studio back then. You know, nowadays right. you could do it digitally and you can kind of get there. You know, but um, but also I think just the mood of the place affects how you perform. You know, and sure. uh, um, I saw uh, a uh, a, uh, a documentary film one time about. Uh, one of the bands, I don't recall who it was, but they were they were literally in this like French chateau, and uh, and and using the Rolling Stones truck, <laughs> and and uh-huh. they uh, they uh, you know like they they had the um, the singer singing in the ha- stairs in the hallway because he got this echo going up and down the stairs that sounded different than other parts, and the drummer sure. was lit- it was down in the basement, and the guitar player was playing like a, what was the master suite because it was this big room with. 18 foot ceilings and yeah. and so you know they were all playing in different parts of the house laying down their tracks but using the acoustics of the space you know and that yeah. sounds like you know they're basically doing what les paul had done when he was recording his stuff you know it was like well i'll i'll record where i get the acoustics that i want that gives me the sound that i want right you know Absolutely. And especially, especially in the early days of recording you know they they didn't have any way of of creating uh digital acoustics you know and so everything had to be it was recorded as it sounded so then you had to go to find places that created the sounds you wanted you know speaking of that reminds me of as a kid i was aware of the different environmental sounds and it it uh, made me come to the conclusion why do you think people like to sing in the showers mm-hmm. there's that echo they can hear themselves they like that that's, sound that, that that's right because they notice it sounds di- they sound different in the when they're in the shower, yeah. you know, yeah. and so you know, if, and and a lot of people apparently do it. I mean, it, you know, you hear about it all the time, but it's it's if you want to experiment yourself, it's so evident that when you get in the shower, man, yeah, your your voice suddenly sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, and let's let's understand what the spatial audio is for Apple. It's a way to differentiate themselves from Spotify and try to steal people away. So if they can make spatial audio really popular, um, you know, and and of course the spatial audio is is uh, you know Dolby Atmos is something is the is the technology behind it, but the spatial audio is their marketing term, and so they're going to be pushing it real hard and putting a lot of money because they've got a lot of money to spend uh, into paying engineers to go back and re-engineer songs and paying artists to let their stuff be re-engineered and reproduced in spatial audio. And in fact, um, they have a spatial audio section on 
on Apple Music, music and you go right. and you go in there and they have a whole bunch of albums. They have holiday music in spatial audio. Um, uh, Billie Eilish is their featured artist, and they've got uh, basically her entire catalog in there now. Um, they've got a whole bunch of featured playlists that are by genre, so you can go classical, country, pop, hip hop, hits. Uh, you know, all of those uh, lists of songs in spatial audio. Um, they've got a list of albums that, you know, and every time they get new ones in there, they just keep adding to it. And it's, I mean, they literally have hundreds of songs and, uh, and albums already converted to spatial audio. So, you know, they're, they're spending a lot of money, both marketing and, and just creating uh, spatial audio versions of this. I think like, you know, and, and you know, people that are, um, your age will remember it, and I remember it a little bit. But when when they started putting out albums in stereo instead of monorail, you know, I when yep. I when oh, I was yeah. first when I was first buying music uh, early on, I mean, it quickly became all stereo. But when I was first buying music, you when you picked up an album to buy it, you had to look at it to make sure you were getting the stereo version if that's what you wanted, as opposed to the monorail right. version, because a lot of stuff was still <clears throat> coming out as just monorail. There was no right and left channel at all. Um, but usually the, the option existed when I when I was buying music. Uh, when you were buying music, it was you didn't have an option. It was pretty much all. Modern. That's right. Uh, and then yep. they started introducing stereo, and I think this is similar to that. Now there's a lot, you know, there 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 was a phase there where they were doing quadraphonic, where you had to have a four speaker system. Um, what's cool about this is that it's they're still doing it, but they're doing it with two speakers. It's all done with, yeah. uh, you know, basically digital effects. And so well, well, let let me take you back. To my generation, you know, but while it was monaural, uh, monaural, however you want uh -huh. to say it, uh, I was one of the first people that I know of to have a high fidelity. Oh, yeah, monaural. I remember Hi-Fi. Yeah, it was actually, they and, actually had a logo that said Hi-Fi. You had to look for yeah, that and, logo. Yeah, and, and basically I won it at a raffle at a church festival. Mm -hmm. and I, I don't remember how much the ticket cost, you know. But anyway, I got this thing, and I think at the time its value was something like four hundred dollars. Yeah, which was, I mean, I don't know, I'd yeah. be like a thousand or more today. Yeah, you know, probably easily. But, yeah, but it it was this box that played thirty three or forty eight, forty eight with a spindle that you put on top of the little rod that uh -huh. you know that held the thirty regular. Yeah. Anyway, it played the, the three different kinds of records uh, that they had in those days. Uh, even the old 78s, they were still around, so you right. still had to support them. Uh, but the, the 78s were known for scratchiness. <laughs> yeah. Not only was it monaural sound, it, it, it was, it, there was no scratch filter at all, and right. you got scratches and pops, you know? And it was very easy if you bumped this thing, as suddenly you'd ruin a record because that needle would go zip across the record, and there goes your scratch. And yeah. it's never going to be removed. <laughs> yeah. But... But anyway, uh, just to go back and see the progression from that earliest record format, which was truly vinyl, uh, they made them from, from some other kind of polyester or something as time went on, as the technology improved. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, it's fun to think of, of all of those changes and how excited I was to bring home this, uh, this thing. And, and of course... I, I, when I brought it home, I did not have a record. Mom had to, we went down to the local biggest town, Beloit, Kansas, and found a record shop so I could buy some records. And we, yeah. and 
you know, and they weren't cheap either. So, you know, yeah. two or three records that you listen to over and over and over. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Until mom was pulling her hair out and says, turn that thing off. You know? No kidding, yeah. Well, and, and they yeah. give you, you know, you, you, you win this this wonderful record player, this hi-fi record player, and, and, and you go, yay, I won it. Little did you know it was now going to cost you a fortune to buy records for it over the years, right? <laughs> yeah. But you begin, yeah. Like, like everybody at, of a certain age, you begin your, your music collection, right? Um, That's correct, yeah. Nowadays... You don't do that. You most uh, most people have a streaming. Ser- you know, they they don't they don't even own their music. They just stream their music, and well, yeah. we never really owned it. We owned the the medium that it was on, but you never owned the music because they always you know licensed that to you. Little did you know, right. you thought you owned it, right? But right. Um, but they uh, uh, you know nowadays right. I think kids don't have that same experience. They they you know they stream it and they make you know lists. And they may go back to a list, a, an old playlist that they had made years ago, at you know, and, and remember that fondly. But I don't know that they, you know, th- they don't think of music as albums even anymore. It's just lists of singles right. that they Songs. like. Yeah. yeah. Um, which you know that had started back in 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 uh, my day growing up too, because a lot of you know people listened to mixtapes. They would make their own. Although I was able to do that a lot earlier than a lot of people because. We basically, in our family, skipped over eight tracks completely, and they were the popular format after uh, LPs. Right. And you looked at it and said, "Nope, that's a losing technology. We're not going to buy any of that." So we didn't even own an eight-track. Uh, right. So we had cassettes. In fact, I went back to Monorail for a while because the cassette player I had was just a Monorail cassette player. But, but I I remember like when I was first learning music, I would buy albums. I would buy 12-inch LPs, and and then I would buy a blank cassette, and I would copy the LP onto the cassette, and then I would play the cassette. And if something happened to the mm-hmm. cassette, then I would make a new copy of it off that LP. I only That's so right. most, most of my LPs have only been played a few times, so I still right. have them. But mine yeah, are almost all in pristine condition because I didn't play those regularly. You know, That's those, right. They, well, they had a limited life, you know. Yeah. Well, in my mind, my LP was my master copy, and so right. you protect the master copy. You know. It, it, Go make a new uh, cassette if you want to listen to your music. Um, you know, it's ironic that uh, not that long ago I uh, set up here in my office and now have it running into my sound sy- sound system here in my office. Uh, my old turntable, I still have it. It works great. Uh, it's the one yeah. that I I got. Uh, it's not the first one that I had. The first one that I had, I think, was actually your old hi-fi. It handed you had handed it down to me, and I used that for a lot of years. But this is one when I was in college and I was working in a stereo store, and I bought a direct drive. Techniques turntable, no rubber belt in there to wear out a break or anything. I was very specific about wanting a direct drive table, and uh, and so I have my Techniques turntable sitting in here, and all of my albums. I got them out of out of mothballs, and I wired it in. I had to buy a little preamp for it because, uh, you know, coming out of the back of the turntable, it's there, there's not enough power to drive an amplifier even. So you have to run it through a preamp first. Um, but I just bought a standalone little preamp. Let me tell you, there's a whole market of those things nowadays, too. Um, they st- a lot of little preamps. You can buy these little boxes that are about the size of, um, uh, you know, a little bit bigger than a deck of cards, really. They're not that big. And there are ones that still have tubes in them. And it's because people who are listening to albums believe that they can get a warmer sound and, and they can hear the difference and they want tubes. And I looked at that and said, do I want the all-digital, never-have-to-replace-a-tube one, or do I want the tube one because I think it's going to sound better? And I decided to get the all-digital 
that I don't have to replace the tube one on because although the little tubes glowing on top were, look kind of cool, I thought I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to live in the in the world where I have to go you know stock backup tubes but, or fine tubes to replace that. Yeah, yeah, Todd. But you got to realize the tubes they're talking about there have very little, if any, real relationship to the original tubes that used to have very short lives because they were very fragile, especially right. to, to shock. You know, you could break uh, yeah. a filament inside that tube just yeah. by jerking it. Yeah, no, uh, I'm sure these it. vacuum tubes that they're selling today are, are of a different ilk. But I looked at it and went, yeah, I don't need little tubes. I think it was more for show than for actual sound. So, yeah. um, and it wasn't much difference in the prices. So I just got I got one that had good reviews from Amazon. And if you uh, wanted a warm sound or a whatever kind of sound with digital processing these days, you can get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was my thinking. It was like I, I can adjust the sound. I mean, essentially everything. I've got it running from the preamp into my mixer here in my studio. So it's like I've got plenty of ability to change the sound in the in the back end of it, any way I want. Yeah, what? So yeah, what? What a lot of folks don't understand is that uh, these all these different environments that we were talking about, sound environments and uh, things that affect the quality and sound of music or audio of any kind, have all been characterized. And what I mean by that is there are charts that you can make that yeah. show their response over a frequency spectrum you know how right. that device sounds through uh, for each frequency yeah. along across the entire uh, audible spectrum and once you have that characterization you can apply that to any real pure sound and make it sound different you'd like you just right. moved it from a sound stage into a closet or into a shower you know mm -hmm. and and you'll notice the difference because yeah. they it it knows exactly what to do to form that sound for that environment. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's, and it, there were musicians that wanted to record in specific studios historically, you know, and in fact, uh, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters in Nirvana did a documentary on uh, a famous uh, recording studio in L.A. called Sound City, and, uh, and in fact, they, people wanted to record there because uh, the acoustics of the specific room, and they had a the mixer that they used, the big panel that they had in there, was a one-of-a-kind, hand-wired, hand-built mixer that had a certain sound to it. And when, yeah. they were when they were tearing down the studio, he bought the panel and had it placed uh -huh. in another studio. And then, after yeah. the fact, when they were getting ready to tear the building down, somebody apparently bought it and said, no, this is worth saving. And so, sound studio is still there, but they don't have their panel anymore because Dave Grohl bought it and moved it somewhere else. <laughs> so, yes, sir, not... This reminds me again of a, of a, a video I had, maybe I still have it, of Les Paul and Mary Ford. Mm -hmm. How excited he got when she was singing uh, and he heard her down the hall of their home. And uh -huh. it was a hallway. And that hallway effect was something that he loved. Right. And therefore he, he knew, quickly came to find out where exactly she was standing, where he was listening. You know, right. So he knew where to put the microphones, where to put her, and and he set it all up so that he now captured that. Yeah, that, that uh, sound. That... I'll, I'll say a characterization of that space. You know, right. that's the way. That's right. Technically, what it is. Yeah, and what and what you're pointing out is is that now, any any good sound engineer has the tools to be able to say, you know, here, listen to this. Okay, you want to create something that sounds like that? We can do it digitally now. 
So, you know, yep. you could you can record. In fact, the ideally now the way that you want to record is in a place that has the the minimal acoustics, uh, you know, everything's getting absorbed, nothing bounces back. You want a completely flat sound so that we can then go create the ambiance that you want after the fact. Right, right. And in fact, you know what's interesting? Uh, I can't recall exactly what year it was, but fairly recently I read an article in a Catholic uh, uh, paper that I get uh, because I'm close, fairly close to uh, Ash. Let's see, I think it's in Asheville. There's a cathedral over there, uh-huh. a basilica, in fact, with a great big dome. I mean, and it's it's famous for its acoustics. Yeah, okay? I imagine. And, yeah, big open space. And, and so anyway, they uh, allowed somebody to come in and set up their audio equipment because they they uh, paid the church a sub- substantial amount of money to do that so that they could then set up uh, instrumentation. They created pure sounds in different parts of that cathedral, and then they had recorded it on their various microphones, all quality equipment, you know. And mm-hmm. I think they uh, had the, uh, the cathedral all day, one Saturday. Mm-hmm. To, and, and, and for that, they paid a re- ridiculous amount of money. Oh, and the paper, was, the article was kind of like making fun. Didn't, uh, didn't understand and appreciate what they were really doing, right. you know. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah. so it relates to this. And I was in that cathedral and you uh-huh. feel different in that, in that environment even. Yeah. It well, that's sounds- what I was saying about those guys recording in the French Chateau is not only do you get the acoustics, but I think it affects your mood and that then affects how you sound. You sure. Know? That the location, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, you stand in something, a 900 year old building or an 800 year old building in Europe, you feel differently than you do standing at the, you know, at the mini mart. I mean, oh yeah, it's it's just it's going well, to affect you, you know. And 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 it 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 comes down to pretty much maybe ninety eight ninety nine percent because that's a that's why sound is important in movies and and just right. the, you you name it across our spectrum. Our yeah. whole life is impacted by sound in ways we just don't appreciate. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, I think yeah, it it happens subconsciously a lot of times, and so unless oh yeah, you're, unless you're you're actively thinking about what's going on in, in, acoustically. You probably aren't um, uh, even aware of it. But you know, and we talked about how we can, how a lot of the different ambiance and sounds can be recreated digitally. Um, digital is still sampling, and 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 it's not quite the same as as you know, just a, a fully analog recording of of being in a place. Um, it's you know, we can do amazingly close and and arguably not even so that you can audibly hear the difference. But what you can't do is recreate the mood of that space and what how it's affecting the artist. and mm-hmm. and that is still you know impactful, you know uh, sure. it's, it's impactful on the way you play your instrument. It's impactful on the way you you know your voice is projected because of the space you're in. There's just you know, there are places when you step into it, and there's just a certain amount of awe in being in places like a basilica, you know, where you, you look up at the giant dome. And, you know, and a lot of domes, if it's open in the center, you can get underneath the dome and you get this echo that comes right back to you because you're basically standing in this giant parabola. And that's yeah. just, that's, you know, that affects you. It really does. There's just, there's some awe inspiring places. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, and so there's still, you're, you're- there's still good cause for going out and recording on location, I think. But by the way, I have to mention it. You, you mentioned it might not even be a. It might be a hole in the dome. I was in the Pantheon, which is in Rome, and it's a an ancient Greek uh, mm-hmm. uh, 
architecture, even though it's in Italy, <laughs> but in the sense that uh, they copied lots of yeah. things in, in Roman culture that were really Greek. Right. Greek were the creative people in that that kind of preceded the uh, prestige that and power that Rome had at the time they were building these things. Right. So, but anyway, if you get in the, right in the center of the Pantheon, you could it, there is a drain there because when it rains, it comes right in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but it's a phenomenal place to go if you ever go to Italy. You've got to go to the, see that because it's mm-hmm. it's a monstrous dome and a beautiful place. Uh, yeah. Well, and the acoustics of each each place in each building are affected by not only the shape of the architecture, but the thickness of the walls and, and where there's openings. And all of that is unique, you know, to each location. Right, right. Lots of things that will shape the sound. Yeah. Well, so. we've, anyway, we've done we... way more than we needed to into sound uh, engineering when we're talking <laughs> about spatial audio. Um, I would say if you have a device that supports spatial audio and you haven't checked it out, then you need to check it out because it's pretty interesting to listen to. Um, I will say that my wife uh, celebrated her birthday and finally did get her her AirPods three, and so uh, she I, I say well you know try them out test them see what they sound like and so she does this and then she tells me okay they sound good and I said what'd you listen to? She put on an audio book. <laughs> I went okay, and that's pretty much what she uses her headphones for is an audio book when she goes out walking, and I went you know. Here and so I, I got oh, Apple Music out and I put it on uh, on the spatial audio section and said pick a song there that you want to listen to <laughs> so at least you can listen to it with spatial audio and hear what something might sound different than what you've heard before. Um, and she says by, I'll do. It. The, she said I'll do it later. And so I don't know if she did the, or not. <laughs> by, by, by the way, they at one time after stereo was invented, somebody came out with a product that had a switch that you could go back to monaural. And the reason for it is, is that sometimes uh, it sounds better if you got the same sound coming in both ears. If it's uh, just a uh, somebody talking to you, right? You know, yeah. And 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 you can recreate a monaural from yeah. stereo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like okie dokie if that's what you want. But um, I bet you didn't have a. I bet you don't have a switch to do that anymore. <laughs> no, no, it's not. There's nothing physical. No physical switches to do those kinds of things. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so you want to move on to the sales business? Yeah. So uh, Apple announced their um, their third quarter results, uh, and just before they started actually shipping the new MacBook Pros that have Apple Silicon in them, Apple's Mac sales. Now, I say the new. They, this included the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro 13-inch that had an M1. It did not include sales of the just-announced Apple MacBook Pro 14 and 16-inch that have the M1 Pro and the M1 Max in it. But either way, 11% growth year-over-year year, uh, for third quarter in Mac sales. And so this would have been the M1 Mac Mini, the M1 iMac, the M1 MacBook Air, and the M1 MacBook Pro uh, have been selling like hotcakes. And uh, I think that that uh, there's, uh, you know, a lot of diehard Apple people are looking at those things and going, absolutely, that's what I want. That's going to be the fastest computer I've ever had. I want it, I want it, I want it. And then there's those that also work with um, – with um, 
you know, Intel-based stuff, like they run uh, games and or um, uh, Windows for some reason, and I think they're less enthused about it, but uh, nonetheless, that's where you're going to go. You know, something I'm interested in doing, I don't have an M1 machine yet, but what I'm interested in doing is um, getting an M1 machine and then getting uh, Parallels running on it and then running a Mac or a, a Windows in emulation mode through Parallels on a Mac and see what it's like compared to, like, an Intel-based machine um, where you don't have to do that translation layer. But, you know, there were a lot of tests early on with the... Um, with the Mac M1 Macs running Windows in Rosetta mode, or not Windows, but uh, Intel-based applications in Rosetta mode, and some of the 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 uh, information was that they were running in Rosetta mode faster than the Intel chips could run, which is scary fast. Yeah, it is. Uh, in fact, they have some former uh, Intel people that have. I've written articles now that are kind of interesting to listen to how uh, Intel is in really trouble, big trouble because this is just so much uh, of yeah. an improvement. It's, I mean, I'm talking since the, the pro machines are out now. Yeah. Because they, they're just another hop, skip and a jump beyond the first little M1. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Which was you know, already... So. Blowing away most of the Intel stuff. It's interesting that the um, uh, right about the same time as Apple was announcing the M1 uh, Pro and the M1 Max, Intel finally announced their next generation of Intel processor that um, went to a smaller die, which they Apple had been waiting for them to go to a smaller die for seven years. They were stuck. That's why I have a 2015 Mac, and I look at that, and, and I have not had any inclination to upgrade it because I didn't feel like there was really any improvement in the processors over that period of time. There was nothing that was significantly mm -hmm. faster, and so I was like, well, yeah. who, who cares? Um, but this new one, they went finally went to a, a, a smaller die size, and I thought it was interesting. It's the first time I've seen an Intel processor that has high power and low power efficiency cores. So they've copied part of Apple's design in this latest chip as well. So as yeah. they start to do that, I think they might be able to narrow some of the um, some of the oh, differences. They have, it, it's survival for them. Yeah, uh, I think you know the question is is can they maintain their business base? Uh, you know, not get people uh, abandoning it because to get them back is awful. I mean, that's the bad. That's that's a no no in business. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to maintain your base at least. Yeah. Well, and you're finding that, that uh, Microsoft and Windows-based manufacturers like HP and and uh, Dell, Lenovo, I think they're all starting to ship and look at uh, ARM-based Windows machines too. So, you know, and they're not custom silicone like, like Mac is, but they're, they're still going to be more power efficient. And, yeah, uh, yeah you know, it's like, huh. What's uh, you know uh, Intel's, like you said, I think they're just in they're in a, in a world of hurt right now. See, and and that's the thing. It's not just the hardware side of this that's important because that 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 kind of technology can have a lot to do with power. But the performance side of it has everything to do with integration of hardware and software. Right. And and that instruction set that matters a lot. And and you can't maintain backward compatibility. That's the big noose around the neck of the windows world 
is they have to think about how to change to another instruction set that's much yeah. more efficient for performance. Yeah, you know, and the, the, and well, and and because because they don't, they're not integrated with the chips. There isn't a a Windows chip like there is a Mac chip, right? Um, that's they, right. They, they they don't have the equivalent of Rosetta, and so right. you know the Macs and well, and Apple not only have have they done it, this is now the third time they've changed processors. So they're 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 old hands at being able to run their old software and maintaining support for it. You know, that's right. They they, they have. So, so I'm interested. I'm, in, I'm interested to see, you know, who is going to to uh, break out, if you will, in that world and and make a difference because uh-huh. it it has to be focused. It has to be one company. You can't have multiple, you know, co- companies trying to cooperate to develop this new product yeah. that's that that's optimized. Uh, and furthermore, as you said, you know, who, who has the experience and the background to do such a thing? Yeah. You know, the I, only way I could see it happening, and we'll see if something like this happens, is if Microsoft partners with somebody like Qualcomm, a manufacturer that, that has a license to create um, a ARM-based silicon, and they say, okay, we're going to create a standard for a Windows chip. And so it's going to be a not just, you know, not just a generic uh, ARM chip, but a chip that we've designed that has some custom... Uh, you know, silicone in it that supports our operating system, and then we license that, and then uh, and then HP and Dell and Lenovo can go, you know, uh, well, create you, you can't, ARM chips you, that you, are Windows chips. I, Todd, I think you came close, but but you didn't get the full enchilada, and that is, it it has to involve Microsoft just because they have the resources, and therefore the only downside is they have to own the hardware company. They have to go out and buy the most capable hardware outfit that knows a lot about the the uh, arm architecture design, design. Yeah, and and I would not even say arm. I just say know how to deal with the uh, the, the fundamental architecture. You know, yeah. arm is a licensed thing, and you know, uh, they still have to pay those some guys some, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you license you license ARM, and it's that's interesting too because there's a lot of going on in this world right now because ARM is basically in the process of being bought out by um, uh, Nvidia, the graphics chip company, and so yeah. so they will own that now. Uh, you know, Apple was one of the initial investors, and they have a a there's different types of licenses, but Apple has like the highest level license from ARM. I don't know if they have an ongoing payment or if they just did a one time payment and got that. So I don't know if that's an income source for them or not, but um, you know, if they own it, that doesn't. I mean, they make their money by licensing it out to other people. But I suppose if they own the the rights, they could say we're not going to license it to any more new people, and we're just going to own that. But they couldn't take it away from the old people, presumably. Right. Um, yeah. That already have a license. So who knows what's going to happen with that in that world? Um, you know, I mean, and. You know, just as an, uh, another aside, Apple just uh, dropped to the number two company in terms of valuation because uh, right. Windows or Microsoft passed them. So Microsoft is right. now the, the the most valuable company in the world again. Um, you know, just when you thought they were dropping out of the picture, right? They were getting passed by the new guys, Google and Facebook and Amazon. And it's like, nope, Microsoft is still right there. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, uh, people have long presumed that somebody might come and buy up like AMD, 
and quite frankly, these days, maybe even buy up Intel, because uh, then you not only have the, the licensing, but you get some a whole bunch of fabs, so you can create, you know, actually build your own chips if you wanted to. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot in play here, and, and but I think the core of it's what's Microsoft going to do and how they're going to do it. I, I disagree with you a little bit in that I think that they could probably license the manufacturing if they did the design and spec sort of like what apple does you know so they could they could yeah. cut a, they could cut a deal with somebody but they would still have to ha be very very intimately involved in the design of those chips um in order to create the custom silicone that that worked very tightly integrated with their uh operating system but you know they yeah. as a company have sort of de-emphasized the operating system in recent years and so do they do they want to spend that money? I don't know. You know, it's um, yeah. I don't know. You know, quite frankly, they maybe de-emphasized it, but I suspect if you look at their bottom line, it's still a big chunk of their income is licensing Windows out to all these other guys. So yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I just uh, like um, you know we we get some of our our articles from Mac Daily News, and uh, they 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 talk about Apple's uh, making more money here in this eleven percent growth year over year. And they say that as Apple replaces more and more Intel handicapped Macs with Apple Silicon offerings, we expect Mac sales to continue growing. I just love how they refer to it as Intel handicapped Macs. You know, <laughs> I remember a time when they were t everybody was talking about, oh, thank goodness they're going to Intel Macs because these power PC-based Macs are, are dogs, you know. And now yeah. we we'll finally have some power, and uh, and now now they're Intel handicapped. You know, times change. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it depends who you're, whose side you're cheering on, right? Right. And well, and and it and it's the nature of the country these days that that you got to choose sides, right? No matter yeah. what, you can't be a middleman. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny, you know. Long before we sort of had that sense uh, in our politics, uh, uh, I mean, well, somebody could arguably say we've had that sense in our politics since the second election, right? When we had, first had parties, but. Um, but, uh, you know, there's been that almost religious fervor about, you know, Windows versus Mac for, for many, many a year. And, right. uh, and there are people who just would, couldn't imagine why on earth you would waste all your money spending, uh, paying the Apple tax. And, and they refer to it as such. And, you know, you're a cult of personality around Steve Jobs. And, and why could you possibly do this? And, and of course, hey, the Mac hey, people hey. say, if you would just sit down and use it, you would see that this is so much better in so many ways. If you would just, you know, set aside yeah. your prejudice. <laughs> well, well, and there's there was truth in a lot of that. There's a lot of people who, who view these sides. things almost as a religion, right? I mean, oh, it's yeah. just the way they view it. Oh, very you much know? so. Yeah, it's. So. I, I yeah, I have long said this is not a a decision that is, for most people. For some people, it's very reasonable, but for most people, it's not a, a reasoned decision. Uh, it's yeah. it's a it's a an emotional religious decision that you then justify with whatever reasons you need to support your choice. <laughs> you know? Right. And, yeah. and the scary thing is, is a lot of human choices that way. We make our decisions based on, on an emotional gut feeling, and then we go back and justify it later. You know, and we don't think of it that way in our brain, but that's what we do. And and psychologists and sociologists have, have, you know, there's lots of research showing that that most decisions are really made on a very instinctive layer uh, level, and then and then we go back and and create the the reason after the fact. <laughs> you know, by, 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 by the way, while we're still on this uh, uh, 
uh, growth chart. Uh, yeah. At the top of the thing, they had the, uh, a, a graphic that showed global PC shipments by vendor. Yeah. And I, I wanted to come back and just point out that from that chart, they have uh, Lenovo, HP, Dell, Apple, and others. Right. And it steadily declines from Lenovo down to Apple, and yeah. then it has others, which is uh, almost 25% uh, in the last quarter, right? Yeah. Well, it's uh, units in millions. 20. Units in millions, and I, Apple is 7.3. So 7.3 yeah. million now, units now, shipped. Now you, Lenovo was 20.1. Yeah, but when you compare these, you got to assume that a largest percentage of all of the others is – is uh, uh, Intel-based uh, architecture. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, the 24.2 so, of others, which would include Asus, which is a very cheap but and uh, uh, but very Acer. You know, a lot of PCs and Chromebooks uh, are being sold. And, you know, they're saying global PC shipments. I don't know if they're including Chromebooks in that, but that, that they probably should. Uh, yeah. You know, I, anyway, I wish they had sort of broken it out so you could see that because clearly Lenovo, HP, and Dell are probably are Intel. I mean, yeah. I don't think they're primarily Intel, any. if not, you know, they, yeah, they, they, you know, but I'd like to see what the breakout is of the architectures, you know. Yeah, and those three, by the way, account for a little over fifty-two percent of of all PC sales. And in fact, in this this number by Apple, there were still mostly PC architectures there. You know, I mean that's changed a lot in the last year. Yeah. But in terms of the total, uh, this is this of course is just a, a quarterly shipments yeah. kind of yeah. thing. You and know? I said that wrong. They don't account for fifty two percent. They account for fifty two million units sold. That's the number. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But anyway, it, it shows you how little Apple still still is in terms right. of the total uh, quarterly uh, shipments kind of yeah when you're selling seven million mm-hmm. and your three largest competitors combined for 52 million you know you're not a big player yeah. in that world and yet right you are in certain markets you know i still think that they a lot of um uh video and artistic things are are, are uh, largely apple if not all apple I, I know they're not all apple there's lots of pc people but, out there but but what this points out, though, is opportunity for growth. I mean, Apple's looking yeah. at this curve and saying, hey, by coming out with this new high-performance thing, we can grab a big chunk of that. We could double yeah. our size, you know, in a few years. Yeah, yeah you absolutely. Know? You know, although I think that uh, if you look at the Dell, HP, and Lenovo in, in the number of units sold, if I bet if you looked at the actual units that they're selling, they're selling their cheaper, less um, profit-filled products to get the volume up the volume of sales up like that so you know they for for seven million dollars worth of dell's sales they are selling probably um twice as many devices as apple is and they're they're selling them the cheaper and at less profit than apple is um and and i say that because i think that there's a lot of people when they go out and buy a new laptop they go out to costco or you know wherever they go and they buy something that is affordable they may not get the cheapest one out there they may not get that 250 dollars or 300 dollars laptop but very often they're getting the four or 500 dollars laptop and apple doesn't even have a player in that arena unless you want to switch to right. an ipad you know and well, a lot of people that, look at any kind of tablet and go well that's not a computer they don't even consider it but 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 you see 
uh, Apple has such margin growth uh, now in uh, with with building their own chips compared to having to buy that, you know, yeah. half of the cost of the machine was paid, given off to, well, maybe to not in, half, I'm exaggerating. But a big chunk of it was going to Intel to, yeah. to buy processors, yeah. Right. But, but the thing and is, so, they haven't dropped their prices at all, and to the consumer, that's all they see, you know. And I get it. I mean, if you've got, you know, $400 in your budget to buy a laptop for your kid to go to school, I don't care if it's a better deal and a longer-lasting deal to buy a, a $1,000 MacBook Air. I've got a $400 budget. That's where I can go. So, you know, yeah. it's it's it, and yeah, you know, I can make the case that 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 999 MacBook Air is going to last you probably 2 to 3 times as much as that uh, as long as that uh that $500 and they, and they say I don't care. I don't have the money today. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like but that's not the point. The point is is I've got a budget of 500 bucks. That's it. That's all I can spend. Well, you but, know? but wait a minute. But wait a minute. Apple has addressed that pretty effectively in one sense is if you get an Apple card from them. OK. And you charge and you go buy any product. You can finance it over 24 months, at least. And some of them up to 30 months. Right. At, at no interest. OK. Yeah. Except that the um, Apple card is not a card that is available to a lot of people who don't have really good credit. And uh, and it, they're they're a a higher end card in the in the world of cards, and so they're just like the rest of their stuff. There's a little bit of a status in having an Apple card for those who want to have another credit card. Um, yeah. So so a lot of people go, that's great, but I can't qualify for that card either. So you know the option is yeah. buy an iPad and and a keyboard. And again, a lot of people look at that and go, "That's not a, a replacement for a laptop. That won't work." Yeah, you know. Now, a lot of people, I think, are wrong in that. I think that that is a replacement for a laptop in a lot of cases. And in fact, in most cases, you could you could get by with an iPad and a keyboard and be just fine. In fact, you can get by with an iPad and no keyboard for most kids because they're used to typing on screens anyway. You know, it's, it's old people who have to have mechanical keyboards. Right. But. Uh, but, you know, that's, well, that's a choice that you have to have and you have to talk it over with your kid and, and with your kid's teacher or school or if they're going to college, you know, they have to figure out what works for them. Yeah. And, and I read an article the other day is that uh, Apple uh, percentage of, of market is so much uh, favors the iPad these days that they they never intend to bring their computers into this uh, volume market. Uh, it's, it's always going to be the iPad in those lower ends. Because oh, yeah. they can price them, they they can price them so much lower, and it'd serve most of the needs of those low end machines, as you said, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, convincing people of that, I think, is not always uh, as easy to do as you might think, because there's a whole yeah. bunch of people who, like you said, I mean, we look we look at the numbers. There's you know, millions more people buying PC laptops, and those people would look at, at an iPad and go, "That's." not a computer i can't use that that's not going to do what right I want, they they, you know? they just they just have in their mind have this thing it's not a computer right right well apple even that's, did that's... commercials like what's a computer right <laughs> with their ipads i mean they they fed into that so yeah um but i think they they were doing it out of irony trying to say this is a computer i mean what do you mean you want a computer this is a computer it'll do it but i don't think that came across in the commercial to a lot of people yeah they they need to get another uh uh one of those uh the, the, that commercial that used to have the the PC versus the Mac guy, 
you know. Yeah, and do that, PC that versus iPad. That was so iPad. effective. Yeah, yeah, they need I'm a, a PC. version of that. Yeah, I'm a PC. I'm a Mac. I'm an iPad. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but they can do that marketing a lot more effectively, I think, than they're doing. They're, they're just not doing the, the right yeah. marketing yet. Yeah. Yeah, although, you know, if you add in iPads to their sales, they um, they quickly catch up to the other guys or get a lot closer to them anyway. Uh, right. If you, can, if you count those as computers when you're – and that's, you know, that's been a conundrum for the people who put these kind of numbers out for a long time is do you include iPads as computers or not, right? Right. Um, yep. And traditionally they have not, but there have been times when they do, and there's been people who have said, well, let me take the um, – the, you know – do a comparison. Well, you know, how does Apple stack up when you don't, and how does Apple stack up when you do, you know? And I think you just need well, to be clear when you're showing your numbers which one you're using. Because if you include iPads, yeah. I mean, because that's what Apple but, uses to compete against the, the, the lower-end computers. That said, it's not hard to spend over $1,000 on an iPad either. Yeah, but if, if your biases show by what the uh, – what's identified as points of comparison right you know the guy who wants the computer to win is going to talk about io and all of the input output capabilities that computers bring you know that's yeah. the weakness of the of the pads you know yeah although the 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 um, from the ipad mini to the ipad air to the ipad pro they all got USB-C in them now and even the original iPad that has the uh, lightning port still has dongles that allow you to put in memory card readers and, you know, attach laptop or keyboards, um, you, right. you know, USB. Yeah. I mean, frankly, it's it's dongle-based, which there's, you know, you can argue the pros and cons of that, but you can, you can do pretty much anything you want. Ironically, you know, app or Windows, Microsoft has a whole, whole uh, series of... Um, tablet computers that they now sell and i don't think anybody says well should those be counted as computers or not they're counted as computers yep you know uh yep. now partly is because they run the same operating system because app the 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 tack that that um windows or microsoft took was that windows would be both a touch and a mouse based operating system and apple right. said no we're not going to do that we'll have one for one and one for the other because each of them is you know better suited for that environment and so it's easy to say well a windows computer is a computer even if it's in tablet form because it's running the same os you know yeah right but uh you know i i think a i can see it going both ways but i think a really strong argument can be made that a tablet is a computer yeah. You know, and it's yeah. perfectly capable of doing all the computing functions that a regular computer or that a more traditional clamshell-shaped well, computer laptop can do. You don't even need to say tablet. You can say my phone is my computer. For a long time, right. there's been a bunch of folks, myself included, who thought that, hey, my phone is getting so powerful, why do I even care about putting anything, buying anything else? All I need to do is attach to things I want to control. Right. You know, as long as I can attach it to a screen like I can with the uh, AirPlay, right? I can put all right. my phone stuff on a tube. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, pretty much everything else. I mean, I, I, there's probably a way to put a keyboard on it, but I Oh, there is. I don't know. In fact, um, um, 
Excuse me. Well, and there's a lot of places in the world where that is the one electronic device that people own. That is their computer. They don't own tablets and laptops and stuff. Their, their phone is right. their computer, which is why the big giant screen phones are, have become more popular. Because if that's your only computing device, then you want as much screen real estate as you can get. I did an experiment yep. about five years ago where I said I'm not going to use for a month. I didn't use anything. Actually, I think I decided to do it for a week. But anyway, for one week, I didn't. I don't. I, I don't think I did it for a full month. Um, but for a week, I didn't use a, a laptop or a desktop computer. All I used was my phone. And so I set up in my office a a. Uh, I had a little stand where I could plug my phone in, and I ran my monitor off of it. I did uh, so so that I could put it up on the big screen. I had a keyboard for it, um, and I was able to function just fine. Basically, everything worked. It worked different. You know, it's different, but I had access to email, word processing, spreadsheets, um, you know, any kind of social media that I wanted to get into, which I don't do a whole lot of. But, I, you know, I had not completely uh, shut it down at that point in time. So, you know, it was there. Um, and, yeah, it worked. It worked actually really well. Um, the reason I thought of that was because at the time, Samsung, uh, I think they have since dropped it, but it, they, they had introduced a stand you could buy your Samsung phone stick it in the stand and the stand was uh, was permanently connected to your monitor and your keyboard and they basically were pitching use your phone as your complete computing device when you want to use it at the desk set it in the stand it'll charge and while it's charging you can use it like a, a laptop or a desktop computer and when you're not charging pop it out and it's your phone and you keep all your same data and everything with you and I thought well I could do that you know I so I did it with an Apple phone and Worked fine. No problem. Yep. You know, just different. Just different. And today, you know, especially with the, if you tried to do it with an iPad, you know, iPad has mouse support built in now, which, you know, back then I didn't have mouse support. on, And I still, I don't think you still don't on the on the phone. Um, and so, you know, I had a pointer that I could move around the screen and use my mouse. And so so the desktop experience was very similar to, to any desktop experience. Yep. So... Uh. Yeah, it's doable. Um, the question is, and this is the thing, and it, it, it's a big hump to get over, and that's the reason that that iPads or other tablets are still having trouble sort of gaining traction as primary computers. It's just that it's different. And so, yeah. you know, if and I think that, you know, if you're somebody who's high school age now, going from a phone to a tablet is no big deal at all, and saying, well, that's my main computer for them is like, okay, fine. I know how to use that interface. It's not different. But for people of our generation, our age, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and I say our, I mean, obviously, you know, we're different generations, but, but my age and older, and probably even my kids' age and older, because my kids are in their 20s, um, they grew up using laptops. And for that generation to say, I don't need a laptop at all, I'm ready to go to just using a tablet, is a hard nut to crack. Especially right. because most businesses... If you're using, you know, if you're working somewhere where you're in an office and you're using a computer, the company gives you a computer. They're not giving you a tablet. They're giving you a computer. And most of the time they're giving you a Windows computer because that's what the world uses in business because they're cheaper and it's dominant. It's the it's the place. Right. Right. You know, and, you know, you can make arguments. There are some places that will let you use a, a Windows or a Mac computer. You can pick which one you want. Um, other places go, nope, this is the computer you use. Yep. So, but 
uh, more and more the people that uh, grew up with uh, a certain computer uh, right. are going to tell their employer, I'm, I'm not using that other piece of junk. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, but I don't know that, you know, uh, well, I they might. But I, I suspect that, that that there's a lot of employers who go, this is what we use. And so the employees go, OK, you know, you just got hired in a job. You're not going to say I'm not going to use that. You know, unless unless you're, you know, like a a, um, uh, a highly sought after skill, in which case then they will ask you because they're more deferential towards you, you know, because we need you versus the, right. hey, you know, you don't want the job. I'll hire somebody else. Uh, That's true. You know, and there's most of the jobs in the world are of that second kind. You don't want the job. I'll hire somebody else type jobs. Now, right, right now, the way the job market is. You could probably come in and say, you know, I don't care if you're using Windows machines here. I want a Mac. And yeah, they would go, say, okay, because <laughs> we, yeah, we need, we need employees. Of, when, yeah, when they're short of employees, a uh, lot of more deference toward the employees that, that they have. Yeah. They don't want to yeah. lose them. It's like yeah. the uh, the power shifts when, <laughs> just depending on the, the environment, right? So, yeah. Um, Next thing up, and I mean, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but uh, we talked, uh, or it was the uh, 16-inch M1 Max MacBook Pro apparently has a high power mode, which reminded me of, remember when we were building our own uh, PCs, our Intel clones, and almost all of them yep. had a turbo button on the front. Yeah. You know, yep. and all that did We've was it been kind there of, before, right? it <laughs> overclocked the processor or kicked the processor up to a higher, um, uh, but you didn't want to leave it in turbo all the time. Or it would get hot, right? Yep. So yep. you got to get the ice cubes out, <laughs> cool yeah. that baby down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is a, well, probably not ice cubes. I'm kidding yeah. about the ice cubes. Yeah, of yeah. Course. I, I don't want you to think I'm stupid, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, but it got hot. <laughs> it got hot enough that you could cook on it. Um, so the new mode's only available in the 16-inch MacBook Pro because it's got larger fans and a better cooling system, not in the 14-inch ones. Um, but uh, it said that apparently text in the Monterey uh, in Monterey says your Mac will optimize performance to better support resource intensive tasks. This may result in louder fan noise. So, uh, oh, be oh, so, that's terrible. So if you're, if you, yeah, you know, well, you know, there's a see. This goes back to our first discussion. You might need one of those earpods. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're gonna have get to get the Mac pros. Out. Going to have to get the pro version of the AirPod because you need that, that noise canceling to block out those uh, those offensive fans. See, it's a complimentary product. They ought to market it that way. <laughs> yeah, really. They should just have a, at the bottom of the Mac Pro thing, you know, so you want to add a, a set of noise canceling headphones, you can get the uh, yeah. AirPod Pros or the AirPod Max, which is the over-the-ear ones. Um, and Yeah, I suspect that the fan, you know, we're not talking about huge amounts of sound from these fans. But it's just like you and I said before we even got in, I read that line. It's because it gets hotter. They're, they're pumping up the speed of the processor temporarily in order to, to give you maximum throughput. And if that happens, then they've got to, you know, put the fans on to make sure that it doesn't, uh, you know, burn a hole in your lap. Uh, and, that and said, I, these, and the, go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and somewhere in there it's automated so that if it does get to a certain temperature, it doesn't melt down. They sh they sh they shut down performance. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they they throttle the performance back, and I say throttle. They probably just put the performance back to their normal, which was is still 
you know, outrageously fast. I think what was it Anantech, who who does some pretty technical breakdowns of, of processors and chips and stuff, basically said that the uh, the the uh, the M1 Max chip was ridiculously fast. They when they were doing tests of it, they just said it's it's just nuts. Um, you know that you can do this in a laptop, and the the amount of, of processing power they're putting through this thing is just unheard of in 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 laptops, and 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 in fact. Uh, pushes the limits of what you can even find in some of the best desktop machines. So, yep. you know, although to be fair, to play both sides of this, I've read several articles that talk about, you know, it depends on the tasks. If you have specific tasks in hand, um, the, a, the clearly the M1s are designed around those tasks, um, but that there are some things that they, they don't do as well. And if if uh, but and particularly if you have any interest in the gaming world that the 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 uh, you know the, the Apple stuff is not designed around that type of use. They're designed around different use usage. Uh, how can, I don't I don't know how you can say that though because the graphic processors are in addition and separate and multiple mold uh, multiple. Uh, Right, but the the design of the well, processor optimized for specific things, and they said when they actually did real world tests that the oh. um, that that those graphic processors are not as fast as other graphic processors by um, uh, AMD and Nvidia when doing gaming type of tasks. That they are, you know, that that they they seem to be optimized towards um, you know workload type tasks that that are more. Uh, you know, Apple that that Apple has designed them for. Now that doesn't mean that 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 those games, you know, if they're uh, rewritten and designed specifically for the M1 chip, that they won't then okay. take yeah. better advantage well, of that. That just says the M2 or M3 or wherever it stacks up in terms of importance to uh, Apple yeah. uh, business uh, or Apple customers, I should say. Uh, then the, it'll it'll be along someday. But right now yeah. they're addressing their major markets. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean they've never been big in the gaming world anyway, so they're I, I, they're not a lot of, not a lot of motivation for them to 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 uh, tune to that specific use case. But that said, they've been spending a lot of money paying developers to create stuff for the Apple Arcade, and and you know all of that stuff is going to be uh, recoded to take advantage of their chips. So I think that's a short term difference right now. Because clearly they have the the horsepower to to be much stronger in pretty much every arena of processing. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I want anyway. I want to get myself an M1 computer at some point, but uh, uh, it's not in the budget as we were saying earlier. So I'll have to wait on that. But uh, but you know I almost thought that you were going to get one because you sent two texts. One talking about teardown of the Apple Watch Series 7, and then you said, I've got one ordered, and then the very next one was a picture of a MacBook. And I thought, well, which one is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I later found out it was the watch. You ordered a Watch Series 7, right? That's right. Yeah, and I guess early December is when they're saying they're shipping in, so, uh, so you've got basically a month right. more to wait. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like those yeah. were pretty constrained, you know? I mean, when they first well, announced them, they didn't even say when they were going to be available. They just said well, see, later this year. You see, 
it, it it's not that the the uh, uh, that I was just interested in the M ones. I was I was looking at what really do I need? Right. You know what what can really benefit me most? Right. And uh, my watch, I had, there's a lot of been improvements since the Model Four, which is what I have right. watch. And furthermore, I could trade it in for a substantial amount of money. I was surprised. I think it was a $230 credit. Yeah. Just, just for my old watch. So, you know, at the price then isn't that high. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, the, the, the trade-in yeah. thing actually makes it fairly usable uh, or, or affordable to, to get the latest and greatest. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> that leads us, though, it's mentioned watch, the teardown uh, yeah. issue uh, article that you sent me uh, uh, says that uh, no wonder I'm not going to get it until December, right? Because <laughs> it's a uh, the design, I guess, is very uh, uh, sensitive to some of the uh, uh, what is uh, the I constraints, forgot. the delays of, of chip processing, or yeah. Well, it seemed to me. Uh, they're they're still guessing. It says the most likely culprit of this late is by by far is manufacturing hic hiccups with this new display. Right. Screens yeah, have some of the it. most complex. Yeah. So screens have some of the most complex supply chains and assembly processes in the industry. So yeah. Uh, it, and they made significant like changes to the screen technology and the way it goes together. Um, from all of their previous watches. So although it doesn't look like it's a hugely significant change, it got, you know, one millimeter larger in each dimension. Um, it, the, the way but, it's built is significantly different and under the, under the skin that could be causing some problems. Well, and the other thing that I thought about, it's not mentioned in this article is you're talking about a small device and yeah. miniature devices, uh, add a lot of issues that you don't have when you've got plenty of space to work with. You know, yeah. just from uh -huh. the, the tininess. Now, uh, it's a lot easier to let machines deal with that, like in the production of the chips themselves, like the the new uh, M1 Max or the M1 Pro chips. That's mm -hmm. pretty much pretty much aut totally automated. You don't have people uh, involved in you know trying to put pieces and parts on there. It's designed and and the machinery yeah. takes care of it for you. Yeah, the but hand right. part is the assembly where you take the, you know, the shell of a phone and you you place the battery in it, you place the the uh, the CPU board in it, um, you know, a lot, there, there's some some hand assembly pieces that I know they're trying to mechanize a lot of that as well, but uh, yeah, but the manufacturing but, of those parts is all automated, has to be. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's uh, they're attributing the complexity of of uh, those kinds of changes to the delay and the shipment of the, yeah. uh, of the uh, watch seven. Yeah. So, well, they're saying uh, the OLED panel that they've got what they call on cell touch. Um, and that was also introduced in this year's iPhone. I think it's interesting because if, if people watch the, the development of the Apple watch, the, the, that's where Apple has been testing things like display technology and, and changes in battery technology. A lot of times what you're going to see in the phone the following year or, the, or two years after are tested out in the watch first. Apple tends to use yeah. the watch as sort of a testing ground for 
you know, because A, it's it's smaller, so it doesn't require as much of an investment in, you know, larger pieces. Um, and it doesn't sell at the same volume as the phone does. And so, although right. the volume's gotten pretty high on the watch these days, um, but, you know, for a long time, it, it, it was trailing the, you know, unit sales of phones by quite a, ma- uh, a big amount. And so they said, well, you know, we'll t- we'll test the new technology here. We'll test things like like the always on display that's been on the watch since series five. So, you know, five, six right. and seven of it always on display. That's been rumored to show up on the phone for quite a while. We'll see if it eventually does. Um, I would bet that we see that in the next version of the phone. It very well could be. Yeah, and that's you know. kind of what I'm, I'm I'm waiting for, you know, significant what I call breakthrough technologies. And yeah. that's. That's what I saw in this uh, in this watch. Well, certainly uh, from, coming from a from Series Four, yeah. Four, yeah. So that I saw what you said about the all always on, but uh, I also saw that bigger display. That was a right. significant breakthrough for a watch because it was really small. And this thing, the people that have bought them are saying wonderful things about it. There's no yeah. going back once you see right. the new one. You know. It's, yeah, uh, although it's only it's a, one more millimeter. I mean, it's a millimeter. That's that's a really tiny amount in each direction. It's not, but but they've what, changed they've changed the the rounding of the corners a little bit. They've softened the corners, so it's not quite as as square ish. It's a little softer right. softer rounding. You know, I thought the biggest change in in size wise was the four because the four was the first one that went they they went up, uh, like from uh, uh, what was it originally a thirty eight to a to a forty. And a 42 to a 44. So that, 44. Was only, that was only two millimeters. But the four was significantly bigger than the one, two, and three were. And right. so, um, uh, you know, that to me was a big deal. But the always on with the f- that started with the five, I have a series five. And the reason was that always on thing. I wanted to be able to, without moving my wrist at all, glance down and see what time it was. You know? and it, Well, that's a bigger deal. That's a bigger deal than you think because I get tired of it. I'll pull up my wrist and, and uh-huh. you have to actually have to shake it, you know, to, yeah. get, to go That's, sometimes. I mean, yeah, it's, you, it's, you have to you had to bring it up and then you had to kind of snap it towards your face to get it to wake up. And now yeah. the, the, with the always on, you know, I can have my hand in my pocket and just glance down at my wrist and see what time it is. And yeah. and I don't have to move anything. And to me, that was the biggest deal was uh, was that function. And and so, you know, the the big screen was nice, but the. Uh, that always on was huge for me, um, and then the six and the seven both added the um, the ability to check your uh, pulse oxygen level. And I looked at the yeah. six and said, I don't see that pulse oxygen is enough to get me to move off of a five. Um, the seven now they've gone a little bit bigger again, um, but the sensors are the same, so you don't get any more data than you would from the six. So you get a little bit bigger screen and pulse oxygen from the five. And I looked at that and said, still not quite enough for me to move. So I'm going to probably wait for the Series 8 yeah. before I move up. Well, there's, every time you see a new one out, you say, oh, gee, I wish I'd have waited for that. But, you yeah. know, you can wait well, forever. You, well, you have to look and say, where am I right now? If I were with you at a 4, right. I probably would say, yeah, the seven's the one to move to. I would be ready to move. You know, and certainly yep. if I'd still had a 3, the smaller, the smallest size, um, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, just – I can't imagine anybody even buying a three today unless you're a very small, petite person. Because some of these watches, even the smaller size watch, looks ginormous on some. You know, my wife's five foot tall. She's got a watch on her hand that looks like she's carrying a phone strapped to her wrist. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, she's used to it, but it just it looks big. 
you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, I guess it's whatever you get used to and, and you're comfortable with. But, uh, um, you know, it's just I can't see buying the, <laughs> the, the, what is it, four-year-old, five-year-old technology now in the Series 3. I can't believe they're still selling the Series 3, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. You know, they have the SE, which is sort of their their affordable one. I, I can't believe they didn't drop the Series 3 completely. And I know developers can't wait for that to go because it's got the so, so much smaller screen. Every app that they make for the watch now has to su- still support that that tiny screen. And, you know, at some point, if they if they quit selling it, then they know a few years later they're going to eventually uh, uh, deprecate the the support of it, and they can quit having to make versions of apps to support that older screen. You know. Yep. So, anyway, I'm anxious to uh, get it, but it's another yeah. month away now. Yeah. At least we're in. At least we're into November. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We're slowly getting our way and, there, right? Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, it just happens this is November the the 1st, which in my faith is All Saints Day. And so I went to Mass this morning, and they they have all these kids that are dressed as saints. And that was interesting. All and Saints Day thing, and all the saints showed up, huh? Yeah, well, not only that, the real saints. that We had uh, relics in the, in the Catholic Church. Uh-huh. And ar- around the altar, we, all, we always have relics in the altar that's always the case but uh, around uh there uh, what we used to call communion rails but there's kneelers and they had little things saying this saint and then right up here above you uh, and behind a little bit is where the relics were displayed and uh so people were coming up after mass just to read the little card to see what saint there was there and there's a little blurb mm-hmm. about that saint and to look at the relative relics Anyway, it was fascinating. I was watching these little girls who were dressed as nuns, a number of them, and and then suddenly I realized, hey, that one's got a little nicer material. And she stood up to, and turned to go to another one, and it turns out it's not a little girl. This is a real nun. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a tiny nun. <laughs> yeah, and she, she's, a, she's Asian. That's what you'd expect, right? Yeah. <laughs> she's, and then she's... two more... And then two more of the real nuns showed up. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah, no no wonder they've got a better costume. It's it's their uniform. <laughs> that, that's, that's right. It wasn't a costume. It was the real thing. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it was their daily wear uniform. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just had to bring that up because I was so taken aback by the fact that, you know, first thought of all. You thought you were looking was... at a child in a costume. It turned out well, to be well, 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 an adult. Was, and and there, were, there were two of them that I saw, and I think I saw another one. But and they look so cute, you know, yeah. just little, little kids in costumes. I'm I'm enjoying them, and then suddenly I uh, I see a full size person that's there. Yeah. So anyway, I mean not a small person. Yes, a, t- <laughs> a, 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 a tiny lady. Yeah. Yeah. So it, anyway, they, they they the other thing that was interesting is this event they called uh, All Hallows Day, and and that's right. because the saints are hallowed. You know, that means mm-hmm. that has the same meaning as saints. Yeah. And so that's where the word Halloween ultimately came from. So they're bringing back the the, the word All Hallows Day or All Saints right. Day because it means the same thing. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, it's like hallowed not, ground. It's blessed ground, right? That's, holy. that's right. It's, so, a, it's a derivative so I, of holy. So Yeah. 
So anyway, do we want to go on to any more topics, or we're going to? Uh, well, I was going to say there was one more thing that we talked about, or we, we had tagged for last week and never got to because we never got off of the uh, Mac OS Monterey. Last week was all Monterey all 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 the time, and this was Apple rolled out uh, music lists, 250 new mood and activity-based playlists that they've put together, and these are pre-made playlists that you can just go click on and listen. And I'm pretty sure this is. Di- primarily in support of their new uh, voice-only subscription service. So for $4.99, you can subscribe to Apple Music, but you don't get a visual interface. Everything's done via Siri. So you can say, yo, Siri, play me something. But my question is, there's 250 playlists. Yeah, if that's you, a- if I don't. I'm not going to remember 250 names to call out to, to say I want to listen to a playlist that does this. I've got well, to think that the even though you don't have control over your playlists with this voice-only thing, that you can probably launch the music app and it will list them all for you, or at the very least, give you a link to start just the playlists. You know, uh, there's just got to be some way to do that visually. Because I mean, how are you going to know? You would there'd be so much music that you would never discover if all you could do is you know say you know play the focus playlist or or, or play well, my play a chill out playlist. You know, I mean, well, here, I'm not going to think here, here, of all the words. Well, let me let me tell you this one. I, I'll bet you one of them is that they're by year. You can say pick a particular particular year, 1981, 82, 83. Right there, you can get a pretty n- good number of of playlists, right? And these are all the top hits. Yeah. And maybe the well, top two or uh, three. Clearly, there's a spatial audio list that you could call because we talked right. about that. <laughs> right. But well, you could. Well, they've always had genres, too. I mean, so you could go, so maybe they have year and genre. So, you know, you play, like, I mean, I'm looking at, they've got a sleep playlist, an African playlist, a wellness playlist, world music playlist, Americana playlist, oldies, gospel, C-pop, motivation. I don't know what a motive, what's in a motivation playlist? I'm curious. I don't know. I don't know. Well, they got got to make some sense. (laughs) Well, I clicked on it. It says an error occurred. Try again. <laughs> That's motivation. <laughs> oh, there's motivation for you. Man, I'm so motivated yeah. now. Okay, so here's motivation. Oh, and it brought brought up a whole bunch of more playlists. And in the motivation playlists, there are pure motivation, bars, high maintenance. Uh, okay, so they did a hierarchical kind of a yeah. So thing. So the first list thing was not really playlists. It was a genres of playlists, and then you click on that, and it then gives you the actual playlist. Breakdown. So I yeah. clicked well, that's, on. that's good. Yeah. At least it's organized. You know, it makes some sense. So I clicked on pure motivation, and let's see. Time of our lives, stay, there's nothing holding me back, blinding light, levitating, astronauts in the ocean, wake me up, bad habits, break free. These are the songs, the business, wow, goosebumps, rain on me. Uh, so those are the songs. High hopes. Mm-hmm. What was it? High yeah. hopes. He's got high, uh, hopes. high <laughs> hopes. Now, now we're showing our age, huh? Yeah, I, I doubt that's what that song is, but uh, um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm guessing that uh, Panic at the Disco did not do that version of High Hopes. There's probably a different song. So anyway, yeah. these are supposed to be. Uh, motivating music as decided by somebody who put ever, whoever put this playlist together. So, yeah. well, you know, and, and at the front of this article, it's it does say music by mood, you know, and right. you can name lots of moods. Yeah. So, 
anyway. I don't know if there's a way for me, at, since I have the, the Apple One subscription, I have the full access to Apple Music, if there's a way for me to see what the interface looks like if you are, uh, if you just have the voice subscription. Because I'm really curious as to what the interface looks like. Because if you just have a voice subscription, there's still the music app. So what does it present to you? It just Does it just put up a picture saying, you know, click here and speak to me? Or does it actually give you some visual prompts so that you can look at it and see what the name of these things are? You know, I, it just seems to uh, me that there's got to be some uh, visual aspect to the, air quotes, well, voice-only subscription. I, I didn't distinguish them as separate. I assumed that meant you got Apple Music, you know, and then you just, you, with Apple Music, you can use your voice. You always have been, right? You've it's always been able to use it, but that's, that was the thing when they brought up this, um, this when they announced this new subscription, it said, they, they were very specific, this was a voice-only subscription, that you had to access the music via your voice. So, I, I just don't quite some, know. Some, yeah, I don't know what that means. So let me look at it. Apple Music. I'm looking at uh, Apple's web page. And uh, so what is Oh, okay. With AirPods or eligible Beats products, you get uh, six months of Apple Music for free. I assume that is the, the full subscription, not the voice-only subscription. So I'm curious, though, what is the... And they don't really break out the... They talk about spatial audio and the new earpods, uh, about the fact that you can now see lyrics when you're playing it. If you cl click on the right thing while it's playing, you can listen from your phone or from your watch or whatever. Okay, all new Apple Music voice plan that's all Siri. Choose the plan that's right for you. The voice plan uh, says coming soon. So... Not, you have full access to all 90 million songs, 300 expert, 30,000 expert curated playlists. Wow, that's a lot of playlists. Uh, that can't be just their expert curated playlist. That's got to be all the playlists. If I make my because I when I make a playlist, I can share it, make it public, or I can keep it private. So I'm not sure I'm an expert. Um, I mean, I think I am, but the rest of the world may not agree with me. Um, let's see. So yes. original available on Apple devices. Um, so it doesn't support spatial audio. Does uh, not. D yeah. So so the so this this cheap four ninety nine voice only does not support spatial audio. Does not support lossless audio, which most people can't hear the difference on anyway. Uh, yeah. Obviously, does not support lyric view because you, it's voice only. There's no lyrics to see because there's no interface. Um, it says you can download. Oh. You can download up to a hundred thousand songs to your own library. Um, okay, I, I, I got it. I, what, they're, what they're doing is they're addressing something you can give your kids so that they can listen to music, but it doesn't cost very much. Right. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, that's what it was. They're trying because their competitors all have low-cost subscription plans. That's it, and, yeah. But, but their competitors usually say, oh, you can have this low-cost one, but we'll put ads in between, commercials in between the songs. So it's like listening to, you know, over-the-air radio. Yeah. Or, or they do um, – uh, you, you can listen to this cheap one, but you can pick one song, and then we'll pick the next two or three songs that you listen to instead of you getting to pick everything. And so Apple said, no, 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 that's not going to work for us. We'll give you everything, but the only interface you're going to have is your voice. So you have to talk to it to say, hey, play this or play that. 
But yeah. when you look at this, I mean, it doesn't quite say that. I really want to know. It still says coming soon. So apparently the, the voice-only plan is not something they're shipping yet. Because when it, when it comes, I really want to understand what that is. Because it just, it, it, I'm curious, you know. I, I can't see a completely 100% voice-run plan that works unless every time I, I say play something at when it's done playing, if they come back to me and say, would you like to hear something similar? Or maybe they automatically do that. Cause right now, if you play, like if I go to an album and I play an album on Apple music, when it gets to the end of the album, it doesn't just stop. It plays a song that it thinks is of a similar genre. Very often it's not even the same artist. So yeah. just new music will start playing, you know, and if you're not paying attention, if you're you know, playing it as background music or something, you'll like suddenly listen and go like, well, wait a minute, that that's not what I put on. You know, it's something different. Yeah. Well, anyway, I don't know. I'm just curious how that's going to work out, but it's not even a real product yet. It's still just an announced product. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily related to what they're talking about in this article. Then it's yeah, little, well, we, I, we did, but. I was just you know, looking that, at the Apple website where they talk about their their uh, Apple Music. I went right to apple.com. Uh, yeah. And there's not a lot of descriptions there. And I think nobody can really talk about it yet because it's not an actual thing. So everybody's yeah, guessing. Yeah, yeah, but this playlist article oh. clearly applies to Apple Music. There's no doubt about this. Oh, oh yeah, no. It doesn't say anything about voice or anything in here. Right. Okay, it, so applies to, it applies to all Apple Music. Yeah, all Apple right. Music can get to these new playlists, but the reason they're adding playlists, my thought is, is that they want to have more available to the people who who are going to get oh. this this voice subscription, because sure. it's going to be much harder to create your own playlist if you don't have an interface other than your voice. So you're going to right. use pre-done playlists, right? And right. so, yeah. um, you know, that's what made me think of yep. the. That's what made me think yep. of the. There's, uh, there, the there voice. is there is that connection. There is that connection, but. Yeah. The, the, but the point made here is, is that they just want people to know that yeah. uh, they got their own. I mean, there's got the Apple designed playlists, and there's yeah. a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not sure this 4.99 voice only thing makes a lot of sense anyway. Because if you look at their website, they list their different subscription models, and if you're buying it for your kids, and you've only got kids, the voice you could get them. But you could also, for the exact same price for 4.99, you can give them a student subscription. And if they're for your kids, most of them are still in school, presumably if you're paying for their stuff, that uh, is also four ninety nine, and it gives you full access. with the, You can use the mm. interface and the screen on your phone and everything. And then individual one is nine ninety nine for a non-student. But yeah. if for fourteen ninety nine, you can get the whole family. And then everybody can have access to it. So you yeah. can have, you know, your kids and you and your wife and, and everybody. Yep. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not sure that that subscription really makes a whole lot of sense, but I think it was Apple's way of saying we have a cheaper, you know, if, yeah. you, you know, if you're a 30 something and your dad isn't paying for your stuff anymore and you don't want to spend 10 bucks a month, we've got something for you for five bucks a month. It'll still give you all your songs. Yeah. Except they don't play, they don't sound as good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, some of them no don't. No spatial audio. Yeah. The spatial audio is, you know, and and like we said earlier, they're going to be rolling that out to as much as they possibly can. But um, well, I've noticed well, and a lot of the, and a, there's a lot of this stuff that's never going to be spatial audio. Yeah, 
Although, you know, a lot of people said a lot of this music's never going to be digital when they first started coming out with CDs, and look at how much they've gotten right. digitized now. I mean, they've event- it took them a while, you know. Some of those songs from the 40s and yeah. 50s took a while to get there. Um, yeah. This this one in particular, though, they're going to have to get the permission of whoever owns the licensing to do it because you're basically changing the music. And so yeah. it'll take a while to do that. And, and there will be some artists who will go, uh-uh, not going to do it, don't want to do it. You know, unless it really takes off, in which case then they'll come back and go, okay, we'll find you, let, let you do it. You know, I noticed that they've done a lot of the um, the Beatles albums. Um, uh, their their producer, um, uh, George Martin, his son Giles Martin, or Gi- Giles? Gi- Giles Martin? Anyway, his son has been going through and re-engineering a lot of the Beatles stuff in spatial audio. And I read an article where he said that one of the ones, the first ones that he did, he doesn't care for it. He's going to go back and redo it and repost it out to Apple Music because, you know, he said, as I've done a couple of them, I've gotten better at understanding how to do that. And the quality of one of the first ones wasn't very good, so he's going to go back and do it. But importantly, I noticed that when you go to the um, to the page for the Beatles music, you have the option of playing the spatial audio version or the original stereo mix. So if if you if you're a purist and want to stay with the way it was originally envisioned, then you can do that if you want to to hear what it sounds like with a wider soundscape then you have that option and i think that's what a lot of them are going to do is they're going to say yeah we don't mind you doing spatial audio versions of our stuff but leave the original there too mm-hmm. you know and then it's up to the listener and i think that's the right choice you know me yeah. as a listener i should say you know no i i really want this to be the way it was designed in stereo or hey you know yeah let's let's see what what it sounds like envisioned by somebody different you know yeah. it's all the same instruments but it does have a very different sound but but you can screw it up too you know, yeah when you're messing around with it there, there, oh absolutely there'll be, some, there'll be some songs who come that come out terrible right you know? which is why they should always keep the original still available uh yeah. well and as giles martin said i mean this guy's a professional you know professional uh uh producer and engineer he grew up working with his dad and did a lot of work with the Beatles music over the years. He knows that that music inside out and backwards. And even he said, I don't like the first one that I did. I'm going to go back. I think it was Let It Be. He said, I'm going to go back and redo that one. He says, that album doesn't mm-hmm. sound right. Or, or maybe it was Abbey Road. I can't remember which one. But one of them he did. It was the first one that he did. And he went, uh, after having done several of them and gotten a better feel for how this works, he's, I, that, yeah. I got to go back and redo it because that doesn't sound good. It could sound much better. And that's, you know, that's when yeah. it's something new, they're, everybody's learning it, right? Right. So. So. Well, anyway. that kind of went through all the stuff that we had planned to talk about last week and and never got to. Uh, unless there was something specific from, you had added a couple things this week. Um, uh, well, one thing that won't take much to say about it is it just, I thought it was fascinating, interesting, not surprising, but they... Emergency services, crash detection from phones and Apple Watches to yeah. auto-dial emergency services, pretty much like when uh, the watch had the fall. Yeah, falling had, down. still well, has. First, it has the fall impact, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but when I had first got it, man, they, they actually dialed emergency services on me because I, I didn't know I could, that it was didn't, going on. Didn't know and, you had activated and, it, right? Well, and I didn't see the thing that I could have caught it and said, no, I'm okay. Right. But I I routinely, because it's the watch is on my arm and my dangly arm bangs into the wall or yeah. catches a corner or something like that. 
well, I banged my watch, and that's a sudden stop and a jar, and they were yeah. using accelerometers. So, you know, yeah. those kind of things. Uh, think you cause, fell. <laughs> well, you don't want too many false alerts going to the emergency because pretty soon they will charge me, not Apple, right. for emergency calls. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, when, so, when that, when that, the first watch that I had that had the fall notification on it, um, I think I'd had it maybe a couple weeks, and I, coming into my house, you step up once, there's a step, and before I got to the step, I stumbled over something, and I kind of caught myself against the wall with my hand, that, my arm that had the watch on it, and it triggered the fall detection, and it went off, and I looked at it, and I was able to figure out what it was and stop it before it then called help, um, but it's funny how that stuff's built in because, you know, on your phone for quite a while now, if you push in and hold your uh, the default, you can change the default. It but if you push in and hold your, um, I think it's your uh, volume and your power button on together, yeah. and it will call emergency services for you. And it's a way you can do it kind of secretively if you need emergency services. And I'll right. never forget, I was actually visiting you in North Carolina driving a rental car, and I didn't know where to take where to stick my phone. So I stuck it in the phone cup holder, but I stuck it in upside down and didn't realize that it had pushed in both the buttons when I stuck it in upside down. And I'm driving <laughs> along, and suddenly this voice comes on, and she says, you know, 911 services, what, what's your problem? And I went, huh? <laughs> and at the same time, in my emergency contact list, I have my wife and my brother. And they both yep. got calls immediately saying, Todd's having an emergency. <laughs> so I finally figured out what was going on, explained to the emergency services operator. And, of course, while I'm talking to her, my phone starts buzzing saying I'm getting other calls. It's my wife and my brother going, what's wrong? Are you okay? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I stuck my phone in the cup holder. <laughs> you are <know>? like, oops. <laughs> Don't do that again. Yeah. So I found a better so place it, to place the phone in the rental car is what I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, it, anyway, this this article talks about all of the testing that they have been going on for a long time. Ten uh -huh. million suspected vehicle impacts, of which more than 50,000 included a call to 911. Right. So now that doesn't mean this automatic call, but somebody called, right. uh, you know, that really was. Uh, and and they can look at the data from that. So, you know, when you sign on a lot of Apple devices, you can uh, allow them to use your data to to improve the product. Well, that's sure. one of the ways that they. That yeah, they, and it's, uh, I think it's gotten better because I I have you know since since that time I first triggered my watch, I have not triggered it again, and I know I've bumped into and stumbled over things since then. Um, yeah, you know, and I haven't triggered so, it again. So they've gotten better at it. I think part of it, what it was too, is it wasn't just the shock. Now they also want to say, do you keep moving after the shock? And if you keep moving after the shock, then you probably didn't fall down, right? Yeah. And so I think they've, they've yeah. taken that into account and gotten it smarter that way. Uh, so like any, they said, so 10 any, million suspected uh, impacts that they yeah. think they've detected. So this is vehicle impacts that they're now thinking they can detect. By using your phone and your watch, which is pretty cool. It's not just you falling down, well, but it's, well, it's but, but, vehicle but only But only 50,000 plus included a call to 911. So some right. of those imp impact things, lots of, most of those impact things were not real emergencies. So right. they had this data to compare uh, to see what the differences are. Right. And so apparently they've got it good enough that they think it's, it's uh, going to be marketable before too long. 
Yeah. Uh, I, uh, so that's anyway. one example of Apple saying, hey, we've learned something that we can do with the data that we've got. So we're just going to add a right. feature in that everybody gets now for free because right. we're going to add it in. And it's going to be one more safety thing. It's interesting, but, too. One of the things that they mentioned in this article, and I started using this recently, uh, the company added this year a feature to the newest version of the iPhone operating system. So an iPhone uh, iOS 15, uh, an assessment of your walking steadiness. Oh, yeah, I, I read about that. Yeah, and yeah. so I've got that, and I've been watching it. And um, I guess with my back issues, uh, you know, I, my walking steadiness is low. I actually do not rank very high in this, which means that I am at a fairly high risk for falling and hurting myself. So, yeah. you know, well, and, and th- what's interesting is they then offer suggestions on how to make your steadiness better. And they show you some exercises you can do and some things that are in Apple Fitness that you can do and and – just going and walking regularly will help your steadiness. Yeah. And so it's interesting that they, they list things to do to, to not only do we find out that your walking steadiness is low and that you're more likely to fall, but here's how to fix that. Yeah. By, by the way, uh, what this use of data brings out gr- very dramatically is uh, a good example of what was on 60 Minutes last night. If you didn't see the show, it was... Toward the end, and I wish I could give you a better reference to that, but there's this guru who uh, has uh, talked about use of data and misuse of data and how uh, basically uh, data is going to overwhelm humanity at some point in the future. And I would argue and, we're there. Yuval well, Noah is the guy's name. Is that it? You, I okay. just did a quick search. Okay. So anyway, uh, I, I think it's a show that's worth watching. It, it's eye-opening yeah. uh, for most people. And so uh, uh, just this brought that up. Out, yeah. you know. Well, we're talking about what we consider positive uses of data. Um, one of the main reasons that I rail against people like Facebook or companies like Facebook regularly is because I think they have some, some very negative uses of data. And, uh, you know, data for the for – the intent of making you use their product more and how they can take advantage of human nature. And, and, you know, that's going to continue. And until we, as a, as a country and as a world start saying, there's some rules about how you're allowed to use data. Um, you know, well, I mean, I think about, the... I think about weaponizing something like the, the information that Facebook uses. They already use it to, 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 trick people in or trap people into using their product more and more, make it more sticky because they call it make it sticky, but it's, it's, it's really kind of an, a, a type of entrapment by using data, um, you know, because they're, they're taking human nature and taking advantage of it. But, you know, there are countries that will do the same thing in order to, to help manage the masses, right? And are yep. already doing it. That's right. In fact, that whistleblower has really got Facebook, uh, right, you know, front and center on that one. Yeah, and it's like, hey, yeah. somebody finally pointed out what I've been pointing out for multiple years now from inside. Yep. Somebody inside yeah. said, yeah, all of you people who say yeah. Facebook is evil, you're right. Yeah, and, and <laughs> we got the evidence here. That's the other beauty of it. Yeah. She she was she was no dummy. Yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. – uh, anyway, uh, so I, I, yeah. I did have some other things to talk about today, but I don't think it's worth doing. We'd okay, well, we can save it. There were a couple of things on iPhones and Beats that we can talk about. Um, 
uh, next yeah. week because we've gone almost two hours now. This is one of our longer shows. So Yeah, uh, I know. So, so we both need to get up and stretch our legs. And I'm hungry. I haven't eaten breakfast yet. It's, it's still early here. It's only 10 o'clock, 10.15 here on the, on the West Coast. So Yeah. Uh, I, but, I had a mocha on the way home this morning. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was my breakfast. Yeah. Well, you went through the anyway. drive-thru and you didn't get an Egg McMuffin or anything. I huh? just got the mocha. Well, I did. But the problem is, is that because I was gone, mass started at 9 o'clock, and it was almost 11 o'clock, and they'd gone to their lunch menu, and they wouldn't serve breakfast. Oh. <laughs> And, and I just said, well, I don't want lunch yet. You know, well, here a lot of the McDonald's now serve breakfast all day. Yeah. Anyway, I just said, sorry, that's, I'll just have a mocha and that's it then. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, the yeah. other part of it, the other part of it was our show. This was at 10 till 11 when I'm in line. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, if I wait, you know, for all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and, well, then I had to order lunch or something. I said, time I eat that, I can't be ready for, for the podcast. So. Yeah. Anyway. So you, you sacrificed. You suffered for the art. We appreciate That's it. That's right. By the way, quick correction, too. I said the guy's name is Yuval Noah. That's not his full name. It's Yuval Noah Harari. Harari is his last name uh, uh, on the 60 Minutes episode. So those of you who are interested, 60 Minutes from October 31st, 2021. That's yesterday. Um, Yuval Noah Harari uh, does a fairly in-depth interview talking about the uh, use of what they call big data and how that affects human beings and how it's going to continue to affect human beings in our society um, uh, going forward. And so uh, he's a deep thinker in this. Uh, not as much as me. I'm a deeper thinker, but he's a deep thinker. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll let him be included on the list, right? There you go. We'll, we'll, count, him, we'll count him in. So uh, anyway. No, no arrogance at all. <laughs> yeah, none, none. Just, just a solid recognition of genius. What can I say? <laughs> so okay todd before we break our arms patting ourselves on the yeah back, exactly yeah, it's like, oh. <laughs> i'm not that bendy it's hard to hard to pat myself on the back like that without injuring myself uh, so anyway uh check out the show and i didn't watch it yet so I, i'll go back and watch it um if you do a search you can find 60 minutes overtime and i think the whole thing is right there as a video uh, on the 60 minutes overtime yeah. and in fact they um if i don't know if you've ever done this dad but you know 60 minute overtime what you see on the 60 minutes show is usually edited versions of the overall interview and you can go to yeah, 60 minutes inter overtime and they'll show you the whole thing so parts they yeah. edit out and very often what they edited out was stuff that wasn't you know as cogent to the overall right. thing anyway they make a better story oh. by putting by editing um, but if you want to see it all yeah. you know there are some people who claim that well sometimes you know, they edited it and they changed my meaning by editing it. And so you can see the whole thing here and then you can, you know, judge for yourself. So, um, you know, nice that they do that because, you know, right. editing editing by, by, its, by its very function is making decisions well, about what is and isn't important to the story. And then you can very easily color the story one way or another because well, of your editing. But beside that, it's a necessary thing for shows that fit the time slot. You know, you you got so much time and... You know, you want oh, yeah. that to be useful. Yeah, you have to yeah. do it, but I think you, uh, I think that that uh, editors will have pushed back on. Oh no, we don't change what the meaning of you know people say what they say. But your editorial choices can really very much change the, yeah. the implied meaning of things. You know, uh, and take and you can take things out of context when you're editing. So editors have to own up to the fact that they have uh, you know they play a role in what the perception is of things. 
uh, it's not just we just cleanly edited it for time because you know if if you're if you're you know doing a Shakespeare soliloquy and they cut out everything but the final sentence it's not the same <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just not the same you know yeah all right let's wrap yeah. this up thanks everybody for listening today our two-hour extended episode of generation tech we do have other podcasts coming out of the shack outback network here two minute tech is two minute tips on how to use your technology and two for brew is uh a uh, a discussion of microbreweries, microbrewed beers, and tastings of breweries in the Southland in Southern California. So uh, if either of those interest you, I hope you would give us a, 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 a listen there. And if you're listening here and you like what you're listening to, please give us a, a, a thumbs up. Give us a good rating. Give us a five-star rating and, uh, and help us get more listeners. We appreciate that immensely. Thanks again for joining us. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.